You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As draft analysts, it is important to hold ourselves accountable, to grade ourselves. And so that's what I'm doing today. Today, I'm going to go back and revisit some of my preseason predictions as they relate to the 2022 NBA Draft. You are locked on the NBA Draft. As is usual, it's a Wednesday morning and you are joined by your host today. It is me, Sam Ferris. As I hinted at, at the top, we've got a very fun topic, I think, uh, on deck today where I'm going to revisit a bunch of my preseason predictions, especially those relating to the 2022 NBA draft. It's going to be a bit of a lightning round, some quick hitters, but going to cover everything from guys I had in my preseason top five heading in, as well as some some deep sleeper kind of diamond into the rough predictions that I made. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to give myself a thumbs up if I got it right, two thumbs up if I feel like I really got it right, I really hit it out of the park. Uh, if it's still to be determined or if it's still too early or if it's just kind of like a, I think I was just average with my prediction, then it'll just be nothing, it'll be TBD for now. And then same thing in the negative direction because uh, I do have a lot of bad calls at times is uh, I'll give myself either one thumbs down or two thumbs down, depending on how disastrous that uh, that prediction was. And then at the end, you know, for each thumbs up, I'll give myself plus one for one thumbs up, plus two for two thumbs up, and, and go ahead and grade myself in total at the end based on how I did here. But first, I just want to say thank you for making this podcast a lockdown NBA draft your first listen today and hopefully that's the case every day right that's the goal for us our title sponsor today is truebill this episode is brought to you by truebill truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for all those subscriptions that you do not need or want and they can even negotiate better deals on those that you do want to keep and Again, my name is Sam Ferris. You can follow me on Twitter at DraftDummies. I am there constantly posting my thoughts, uh, you know, some predictions like I'm going over today, a lot of clips, a lot of numbers too. I am a numbers guy. So today is going to be a bit of a lightning round because there's a lot to cover, but I think kind of this point system is fun. And as evaluators, especially draft guys, if we're not keeping ourselves accountable looking back, then how are we really going to improve in the future? So that's what I want to do today. And obviously, like I said, you guys all know it's still somewhat early. Uh, like most college teams have played between like six and eight games or so by the time you'll listen on Monday, on Wednesday, excuse me. But I do think that there, by this point, there is still a decent amount that can be taken. And so that's why it's kind of a quarter of the way through the season. And I think it's fun to give a look back. And so the place that I am going to start is 
I'm going to read actually the tweet that I sent before the season. So I had, I said, I didn't want to release a full board yet that I was going to wait to see a lot more, but my top five on my big board heading into the season was number one, Paolo Boncaro. Number two, I did have AJ Griffin. Number three, Jabari Smith. Number four, Chet Holmgren. And number five, Jaden Hardy. So let's start from the top at number one, Paolo Boncaro. I'm going to give myself for that one thumbs up. That wasn't necessarily that difficult to see. A lot of people had either he or Chet Holmgren there in that number one spot. And now at this point in time, with a, a decent sample of games under our belt, including a very impressive performance against Gonzaga, against Kentucky, I still would have Paulo Boncaro in number in my number one spot on my board, probably like a half tier over the next two guys that I'll get into later. So plus one, one thumbs up for me. Not that hard to see, but I think it was the right call. And as I've stated kind of throughout the year, I'm not going to overthink it with Paulo Boncaro out of Duke. To me, he just has the size, skill, scoring ability that's going to translate it. I don't know if it's like I can't miss on the level of like an AD or Zion, but it's maybe the level below that. And I think he's kind of on average, I'd say he's an average number one overall pick. And uh, I've got a, a fun stat here on terms of his scoring ability. He's shooting on twos outside of the paint. He's shooting 50%. And then on synergy, which is what I use for like play type data, he ranks as very good when comparing them to all college basketball players in both isolation situations as well as in post-ups. So the overarching point here is Paulo Boncaro's offensive skill level and scoring ability at six foot ten has translated as we expected or probably even slightly better already in college basketball. Okay, at number two, I had AJ Griffin. Now, I'm going to be a bit aggressive or you could say conservative. I'm going to give myself I'm going to give myself one and a half thumbs down for this one. I I went a bit aggressive with this. For those of you who don't know, AJ Griffin plays for Duke, which you might not know because he's hardly played this year. Uh but he was injured for, you know, like the last year or so, like even more than a year before college basketball coming in. And then he sustained another, I think it was a knee injury in the preseason. And we, or at least I thought we probably wouldn't see him till like mid season. Uh, but I bought the scoring ability at like six foot seven. He's got the NBA lineage from his dad, Adrian Griffin, a good athlete. I like the high school film, the ability to create his own shot off the bounce. Okay. Well, fast forward to now. And the reason, well, it's tough because I didn't even expect him to be able to be healthy and even playing yet. And so he's only playing like 10 to 12 minutes per game right now. In fact, in the only two games that really have mattered for Duke, which were against Gonzaga and then against Kentucky again in the first game of the season, he only played 17 minutes combined in those two games and was bad in both only two points total so we don't know entirely if he's still kind of working his way back from both the short-term and long-term injuries he's had or if 
Coach K just doesn't really trust him enough to play that many minutes at this point in time. He obviously is a freshman, but I am being a little bit harsh on myself because there are still a lot of people that have him like top seven, top eight in this class. I myself would still have him in the lottery, but you know, because a lot of these, I am giving myself uh, the benefit of the doubt on some, I do want to be also a bit aggressive in terms of downgrading myself. And I, I was too aggressive with AJ Griffin, I think, but he's a guy that we're going to keep our eyes on for the rest of the season. Can we see him get to the rim a bit more? Can we see a little bit, ex a bit more explosiveness and just does he look better physically as he comes back from injury? But for now, I am going to give myself a one and a half thumbs down. At number three, though, we're bouncing back in the right direction. Jabari Smith, he was a guy, obviously, I had him number three coming in. I had him basically higher than everybody. That, to me, that is two thumbs up. He has been one of basically everybody's favorite players so far, and I think pretty much everyone consensus now would have him at least top four if not top three in the draft looking forward to 2022 already i personally would have him probably number two now but having him number three preseason coming in was a big win everyone has him here now at this spot and i've talked about him before because he's been a guy that i've been high on but i just want to get this out there because in the past, I feel like people have kind of, uh, not that I'm the first one coming up with any of these comps and not that any comps are perfect, but I'm going with a bit of a Richard Lewis comp for him. For those of you that have kind of followed the NBA going back to the early 2000s, a versatile four that can score, that can stroke the ball from three at six foot 10. And the only thing I'll add on now with him is it's been fun seeing him in different settings and still thriving. For example, he played against Syracuse and you'll see a lot of freshmen struggle with the zone, especially if they can't shoot and just knowing how to execute and attack the zone. That was not the case with Jabari Smith. He, the, both the big to big passing was awesome from him. They put him at the free throw line at the elbow and he carved up the zone whether it was the big to big passing or just hitting that jump shot from the elbow and from three. So big win for me there, two thumbs up, Jabari Smith. Moving on at number four, I had Chet Holmgren and I'm gonna give myself a TBD. I'm gonna give myself a zero here because I think I would have him number three now. And the difference between three and four, you can argue how big that is. But the thought here with me preseason, having him at number four was this was kind of my way of saying that like Chet Holmgren to me is not a lock to be a top two guy in this draft. And I think I was personally correct about that, at least now in my own opinion, that is still the case. So he has been really good this season except for the two big games against Duke and Texas that were televised on ESPN and everyone was watching. Uh, that, that's kind of part of the issue with what we've seen from him. Otherwise, against kind of the worst teams, he, he has been really good overall. But really quickly, my concern with him in terms of his fit at the NBA level is, yes, obviously the frame, but my question is exactly how is he going to win or stand out offensively 
because we see guys like Kristaps Porzingis and yes, like Porzingis is still a good offensive player and he's still solid even with the injuries. But my concern with Chet is he can't punish a small on a switch because of the strength concerns. And then obviously the strength concerns are there when guarded by a five, but like he has decent skill on the perimeter but it's just so hard for a guy that tall and that skinny to win with skill in ball handling on the perimeter because he's just got such a high center of gravity. Like any smaller guy can get into his legs, can bother his handle. Like just by nature of how big he is, like think how far the ball has to travel while he's dribbling. And just by the nature of that, it's really difficult to kind of win off the bounce. Uh, obviously there are exceptions like KD and Giannis, but those guys win with like top 0.001% skill level in KD's case. And then with Giannis, he's like one of the best athletes in NBA history. Uh, But then the other issue is with the jump shot, it's pretty decent. The percentages are good, but to really win, to really stand out as a shooter, You have to be able to get shots off quickly and take a lot of them to punish defenses. And and Chet Holmgren has just a bit of a slow gather and release at this point. And that is one difference with Kristaps where he can just fire quickly and get them up from deep as well. And so I just can't really see Chet at this point being a guy that's getting up eight threes per game and just getting them up quickly in a high volume because the quickness of release and the volume that you can get up is a very underrated part of gravity. And that's where I'm a bit worried with Chet. Now, I'm not missing the forest for the trees here. I'm not moving him outside my top three or four, just voicing my concerns and saying, I don't think he should be necessarily a lock to go top two. Okay, we're gonna finish up the top five here with Jaden Hardy, but first we are going to get into a break and hear from our sponsors today. and. The first sponsor today is a new one. It is Indeed. While there's always going to be a debate between LeBron and Michael Jordan, when it comes to helping you hire all-star talent faster, the real GOAT is Indeed. If you're hiring, you do need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want, a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. You can attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. So do not struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you do that right away. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. So the call to action today is get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posted indeed.com slash locked again a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked and that offer is valid through december 31st built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever i love it for all the different flavors they sent me another package today i think i've talked about the cookies and cream. I've talked about the blueberry muffin. I like all the different fruit flavors as well. Frankly, I've loved every one I've tasted and I'm always very excited to see a new shipment get to me in the mail. And it's now the time of holidays. I know we're all eating snacks, 
you know, during Thanksgiving, but also during Christmas. So why not treat yourself to a built Bar because the taste is as great as any candy bar, but also you get the healthy side too, which to me is also very important. So for example, one slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories and that's on the low end, but most built Bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Oh yes, and they are covered 100% in chocolate. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, so the final guy here is Jaden Hardy. I've talked about him on my last episode last Wednesday, actually, as a guy that to me is falling a little bit in terms of both my personal view as him as a prospect, but also in the general consensus. So I had him five coming in, but I did just check the latest athletic mock draft that Sam Vecini did, and I think he still had him at six or seven. And so I'm only giving myself half a thumbs down here. Not going to talk more about him today. If you want to hear why I'm lowering just a little bit on him, go and revisit the episode that I released uh, last Wednesday. But the second part of this tweet was, so I did the top five guys, which I just covered. And then I did two guys I mentioned that I was higher on than the consensus coming into the season. These were incoming freshmen or guys in that same class. Those two guys that I listed were number one, Kendall Brown, and number two, Dyson Daniels. Okay, so first, Kendall Brown. That is another big win. I'm giving myself two thumbs up for that one. Kendall Brown playing for Baylor this season as a freshman, a six foot eight, big wing, uh, you know, shades of a guy like Aaron Gordon, maybe Sean Marion as well on the high end. Big win for me. Most people had him late first round coming in, maybe not even considered a one and done prospect. I had him as a late lottery guy. And that was just way higher than the consensus. So he, like now I'm checking mock drafts and I'm seeing him in the seven to 10 range. So everyone else is kind of caught up to my assessment of him. That's two thumbs up. And I think the important part when we're talking about evaluations and predictions, it's not as much like, did you get it right? Is why did you get it right? Was your analysis, was your reasoning, your rationale, correct or accurate. And in this case, I talked a lot about the ancillary skills offensively of Kendall Brown being underrated, his handle, his passing ability, his ability to just play within the flow and rhythm of the game. I love his feel. Combine that with the physical tools and I just considered this guy to be a lottery prospect and I liked his fit at Baylor and thought he could be a real difference maker there. I think that evaluation has been one of my more accurate ones. And so not only am I happy about getting that right, but also the why behind it, I think was very well done as well. All right, moving on. Next up, the second guy I predicted as kind of, or I listed as a guy that I was higher on than the consensus coming in, Dyson Daniels. Uh, to me, I gave myself a one thumbs up for me here. Uh, he hasn't blown anybody out of the water, but I viewed him coming in as a late lottery pick and I'm checking mock drafts and that's where a lot of people have him now. <clears throat> in fact, The Athletic, again, 
uh, use Sam Vecini as a guide. Like, he's a guy that does very well in his mock drafts. ESPN does well, too, and plenty of other draft analysts out there, but I'm just referencing his today as that's the latest I've checked, and I think his are usually pretty accurate. He has Dyson Daniels at number 10 in his latest mock draft, and so, yeah, like, I don't think he's been as big of a splash, as big of a winner as Kendall Brown, so I went conservative, gave myself a plus one here. Again, hasn't blown it out of the water in terms of, like, usage or numbers, but, like, he's been efficient, 46% shooting, I think, like, 10 points per game. And the G League Ignite has been positive with him on the floor. So, you'll see him late lottery now, and that's kind of where I originally had him. So, good call by my, good call by me, but not one that was as awesome as Kendall Brown. So, not as obvious a win, but still good. One thumbs up for me. All right, and then the next section that I'm going to get to is the guys that were five returning freshmen, and this is the tweet that I wrote a couple months back. Five returning freshmen who I expected to take big leaps, both in terms of their notoriety, uh, their view in college basketball, as well as in these uh, this upcoming draft cycle. The five guys I listed here, and I listed these not necessarily in order of like how good they are or, or like my confidence, but more so the order of notoriety or how well they, how well known they already were coming into this season. So Benedict Matherin out of Arizona, I had first, Keegan Murray second, Johnny Davis third out of Wisconsin, Jalen Bridges the wing out of West Virginia fourth, and then Chad Baker the wing that transferred. Uh, to San Diego State from Duquesne 5th. Uh, that one was a very, very deep sleeper. And uh, But let's get into how I graded those out. So we'll start with uh, Benedict Matherin, who I gave myself a TBD here with Mr. Benedict Matherin. Like, the numbers overall have been pretty good, but there hasn't been a, a real leap from last year. Like, most... Most people, I would say, actually last year, if he had gone in the draft, a lot of people would have had him as a borderline lottery level prospect already. And so I expected that to be the case this year. I expected him to be, excuse me, probably in in around the kind of eight to eight to twelve range or so on my board. And I think I'd have him just slightly lower than that now, like uh, very end of the lottery likely. And so I gave myself a TBD on this one because. Like, the the point behind this tweet and this prediction was guys that, as freshmen, did not get a lot of usage. Uh, they had maybe a smaller role, but I thought with increased usage, increased minutes, that we would see that step up in production, in notoriety, and that, that uh, their standing would just be higher in terms of looking forward to next draft. Um, so, with Benedict Matherin, the usage has gone up slightly from 18.7 to 22.2, but the efficiency has gone down. And what's been interesting actually is um, he started out this season pretty low, pretty pretty poorly, I would say, against kind of the cupcake competition. And then when they went to Vegas for uh, that preseason tournament, and I got to see him there, he performed very well, even against Michigan and kind of their biggest game to date he played very well but again 
in terms of like his increased usage, like that has not borne itself out. The usage has gone up, but kind of here's a stat for you. He's taken only four pull-up jumpers so far this season and has yet to make one. So I, I wanted to see his offensive game expand and that hasn't really been the case. There still isn't that scoring off the balance. He's, he's still just kind of a shooter off the catch from three. The assist rate hasn't been there really either. So he's not really improved much as a playmaker for others, nor creating for himself off the bounce. And one other thing that I thought is kind of interesting, because I always thought him as like 6'7", like borderline 6'8". And I went back and looked, and last year he was listed as 6'7", and now it's 6'6". And so just that difference between being like 6'7", and 6'6", it sounds dumb, but I just get the feeling, and also having seen him in person, he didn't look quite as big of a wing as I kind of thought. He's more of like a 2-3 combo with solid size, but not outstanding. And so that's just something interesting I wanted to note as well. So TBD on that one, like he's he's still staying in the same spot on mock draft, so I'm not really going to mark myself down, but it, it was fine. All right. Up next is another big win. We're going to get into some big wins for me here. Keegan Murray, I had as the second guy. I would argue, and I think it's certainly a valid argument, that he has been the biggest riser, both in terms of just college basketball, but also looking forward to the 2022 NBA draft. A lot of people have him as... A potential lottery pick now and coming into the season I viewed him as a a guy that I had probably in the 20s or so on my board like if I had gone all the way out to that point I think I would have had him as like a mid but late first round pick and do keep in mind that he is a bit older for a for a sophomore as well but my statistical model loved him and I went back and really liked the film on him as well and look, he was just going to walk into a ton more minutes with the amount of loss uh, of production that Iowa suffered. Obviously, Luca Garza being the main one there. And he's got the usage rate that has skyrocketed. And some fun numbers on Keegan Murray so far this year. He is getting to the rim at a, an astounding rate. 15 rim attempts per 36 minutes. Looking at his shot profile, two-thirds of his shots are at the rim and he's converting almost 70%. Last time I checked, 69.5%. So just getting to the rim at will, he's basically been like a mini Zion so far. And it has been mostly against pretty easy cupcake competition. Uh, but Virginia was the first game we got to see him against real competition. And it was more of a mixed bag. Like in the first half, he was very good. And then it was more of a mixed bag in the second half. I don't think he was as aggressive as he could have been, but the numbers were still good and overall in the season still fantastic. I have seen him as high as 10 on some mock drafts. And so two thumbs up for me there. That was a good prediction, a good call. And yeah, two thumbs up. All right, moving on to another big win for me. Two thumbs up for Johnny Davis. I would again argue that he might be the second bi biggest winner so far or biggest mover up 
biggest stock up in college basketball after Keegan Murray could very well be Johnny Davis after what he has done to start the season for Wisconsin. Uh, to paint a picture on Johnny Davis, the guard for Wisconsin, he obviously played for a senior-laden team last year. And Wisconsin is not a team that generally has their freshmen playing that much, especially with how much experience they had last year. He still played a ton of minutes, over 60% of the available minutes last year, I think. And he was pretty solid. Uh, like, he reminds me both in terms of what he looks like and his play style and background of like a mini Jalen Suggs. Not mini in size because he is 6'5", but just the physicality he plays with. Uh, they look pretty much the same. They both played quarterback in high school as well. Both very good defenders and both probably more like point guard-like players, but also more scoring guards at this point in time. But every number you look at so far likes Johnny... <coughs> Johnny Davis, whether it's the all-in-one metrics like box plus minus, really love him. But the eye test has been really, really good. He's he's a three-level scorer who can use his physicality to get to the rim. Like, he can win with strength against other guards, but he's got a mid-range pull-up. He can hit those tough shots, and he can also really defend. So, again, the purpose of this was I predicted, like, a bump in numbers and usage, and that has happened. The usage rate with him is at 33% right now, which is pretty crazy. And one of the numbers that I really value with this in terms of projecting these type of leaps from these guys is guys that had a low turnover rate. That seems to be pretty indicative, and I've talked about that in the past. And he's maintained a very low turnover rate, but also has seen but also has seen his assist rate go way up so it's at like 20 percent right now but his turnover rate has even gone way down at only nine and a half percent to see all the like to see the efficiency stay the same or slightly go up to see the raw numbers go up to see the assist rate go up to see the defense even improve and the turnover rate go down from even where it was last year like it's been an awesome start to the year and as an added bonus he's shooting 36 percent from three and 90 over 91 percent from the field again with a box plus minus at 14 and a half he's been a big winner so far that is two thumbs up for me there all right the last two here we're gonna get to uh, but we're going to get to a break first. Uh, we got to hear from a couple of our sponsors. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Football season continues. Basketball season is here. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Just use promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Again, Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so we got through a bunch of them. I just want to get through my final two guys I had listed here. I got through the big winners and saved a couple not-so-winners here at the end. Then I'll talk about kind of my overarching thoughts and tally up the total to see kind of how I did in total here. But next up, the fourth guy I had listed was Jalen Bridges, the wing out of West Virginia. Gave myself... One thumbs down here, which I think is a little aggressive. Like, it could have been a zero, could have been a TBD, because 
when I've been able to catch him on film, he still looks good. I still do view him as a guy that is a potential NBA prospect at some point in his career. And look, with the fourth and fifth guys here, these were diamonds in the rough. They're deep, deep cuts, especially the fifth guy I'll get to. So it's not like it's a surprise if they don't just totally break out. Like, to be fair, starting out and having Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis on this were huge wins, and that overshadows the rest of this. But I do want to say, like, Jalen Bridges... Um, there hasn't been really an increase in usage, especially on the ball. He's still, at this point, more of just a, col- a role player, even in college. Like a 3 and D guy just in college. Hasn't been much off the bounce. Still only a 15% usage rate. And again, I've talked about this before, but if a guy doesn't have, in college, a 20% usage rate by their sophomore season... It's just pretty unlikely that that guy is going to be a significant role player in the NBA. The odds are just stacked against them, especially if you're banking on them being more of an offense first player. So with him still 15% usage, still more of just a role player. So kind of that expectation on that side of it hasn't been there, but he's still been good defensively. He's still shooting pretty well from three, I think at like 36%. Still got good length, can shoot, but he might just be a college role player. He's a guy to keep an eye on down the road. Then the last guy, I gave myself another negative one, one thumbs down for Chad Baker. This, I I watched a game or two of his on film. I'm not going to lie, he played for Duquesne. Chad Baker was more of a statistical projection um, from that I ran. So this was more of a numbers bet for me. And it's on a small sample. He played for a bad team in Duquesne. Uh, What stood out again was a low turnover rate. He really shot the ball well. And so my projections liked him. He transferred to San Diego State this year, which surface level I was excited for. You'll see a lot of guys have success transferring to SDSU, but I was a little worried Like, I wasn't even sure if he'd play that much this year. I didn't view him as, like, a 2022 draft pick, per se. But I did think he he could be a guy you could see break out over the next year or two. So far, the returns have been very rough. He, like, none of the metrics like him. And again, the main reason why I picked him in the first place was the three-point shooting. And he's yet to make a three this year. So that is not great. Negative 4.5 box plus minus. Been really bad offensively. He's only played 23% of available minutes. Again, 0 for 6 from 3. Just hasn't been a sample size, but has been very, very bad, unfortunately, when he's played. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on him as still a long-term bet. But the numbers and... The limited film we had on him from Duquesne has not yet translated to a little bit of a higher level of playing at SDSU. So, look, I'm not going to kill myself over that because I don't think anybody talked about him and he was a complete um, dart throw, diamond in the rough pick. So I'm not going to kill myself on that, but I am going to give myself a one thumbs down. And I'm going to do one final miscellaneous prediction that I made. This one is pretty specific, but I said that Ty Ty Washington would have the best 
season for a freshman guard at Kentucky since Shea Gilgis Alexander. Now, I did add that I didn't necessarily think he would be a better pro than some of the other guys because the the two competitors for that spot would be Tyler Hero and Tyrese Maxey. And I don't think he'll be a better pro than either of those guys, actually, most likely two very good players. But I thought as a freshman, I thought he would put up better numbers and have a better season. I I gave myself a zero or a TBD for that one. He got off to a rough start in that game everyone saw and was excited for against Duke in the opener and really got outplayed by Trevor Keels. But since then, the numbers have really started to be positive and go up. And so we're just going to have to wait and see. And again, this is a pretty specific prediction comparing him against guys like Hero and Maxi in their seasons. I think he will end up having a better season than Maxi did. But Tyler Hero is a little bit higher of a hurdle, I think. So we'll have to revisit that one at the end of the season. But now it's fine to tally up the total. And you've probably caught on kind of as we've listened. But uh, let's give a little drum roll. And I ended up at plus six if you total them all together. So what does that mean? I don't know really, but I'm glad it's in the positive. Six thumbs up in total for me. I'm sure next time I won't do probably quite as well as I did today. But let's look again. The biggest winners for me today were definitely having Jabari Smith top three coming into the season. That has certainly borne itself out. He's played that well at Auburn so far. And I think everybody else has caught up to kind of my projection of him there. And then arguably the two biggest wins were my predictions of the kind of blow-up seasons from Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis in the Big Ten at Iowa and at Wisconsin, respectively. Those have certainly been big wins for me. Again, I would argue two of the biggest uh, stock-up guys in all of college basketball this season. Well, thank you for joining me on this journey of grading myself, revisiting my predictions. Again, it's still pretty early. We're only like a quarter of the way through the season, so we'll have to revisit them again at season's end. But thank you again for making the Locked On NBA Draft podcast your first listen today. And hopefully that's the case every day as well. Because you liked our show and are listening to it, I'm sure you will like the Locked On Bets Show, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. That is Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Again, thank you, listeners. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. Have a fantastic rest of your week.